Call now on 905-338-1250 or toll-free on 1-877-JOY-1250. Didn't we play this song for Michael Corrin, too? Yes, we did. (laughs) Interesting. Folks, it's uh, that time of the show where we're taking your questions, your calls, your comments... I prefer just questions for the high priest of the Church of Satan, who will be joining us momentarily here on the Drew Marshall Show. Uh, a number of years ago, I had a, another gentleman on, John Ellie, and uh, when I had John on the show, um, I found out through the grapevine that I kind of got the wrong guy. And no offense to John Ellie, but he's not really involved in it anymore. And and uh, um, I mean, he had quite a story, and it was quite informative, and it was interesting, but. But the guy we're getting on today is the real deal, is the actual high priest from the Church of Satan. This is the guy that took over from Anton LaVey, okay? So Anton LaVey started the Church of Satan back in 1966, which happened to be the year I was born. I don't think you can read anything into that, all you conspiracy theorists. But I would like you to call right now, 905-338-1250 or 877-JOY-1250, 877 877- Uh, 569-1250, if you have a question that you would like me to ask the high priest from the Church of Satan. I I posted this on our, well, we posted this on our Facebook uh, page, uh, my assistant did this this week, and um, I got to say, I was really, really ticked off by the uselessness of a lot of the questions. People thinking they're being funny by saying, basically, uh, you killed your mother and you're going to hell. So these these are the comments that that um, uh, Peter Gilmore will eventually, you know, look on the Facebook page there, and uh, we'll read those and go, yeah, yeah. There's there's your Christians right there. That's that's kind of how, how I feel about them too. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Uh, someone said, uh, hey, any luck picking lotto numbers? I guess you know sometimes we go for funny and we miss it. Uh, I I've done that many times. Uh, you should see my stand up routine. Uh, someone here says, do you, do you take uh, credit for the bad things that happen and do you rejoice in them? I, I understand the, uh, that, that question. That, that makes a little more sense. Um, someone says, um, are you going to back mask your questions? Uh, and then someone else says, are you not scared since you already know what's going to happen to you? That's the you're going to hell comment, I believe. So it'd uh, be great if somebody actually had some decent questions for the high priest from the Church of Satan, being interviewed here on Christian Radio on the Drew Marshall Show. Let's go to uh, Harry on line one. Hi, Harry, you're on the Drew Marshall Show. If you were going to ask the high priest in the Church of Satan a question, what would it be? Yes, uh, I would first uh, respectfully show my vulnerability, saying as a Christian, I'm a little bit discouraged. I can't scientifically prove it. But now I'd like to respectfully ask, what problems does he have with uh, following... Interesting. What a great question. And so do you struggle with, with, uh, with uh, I, I don't know, do we say, do you struggle with your faith? Is that what we say? Um, no, like I, I am a man of science. I actually almost got, had a patent on something. And it's like, I like to be able to prove things. And if I can't put uh, logic behind what I say, I generally shut up. Interesting. Now, the only catch I can see in that is, and I want to clear this up right from the start, Satanists don't actually believe in Satan. So Satanists, uh, believe, it's more of a it's sort of, well, I'll get to Peter Gilmore to explain this, but from what I understand, it's more of a sort of a, uh, a hedonism 
kind of a deal. In other words, we're admitting that we are, you know, uh, people who crave power and and uh, and uh, and attention and sex and narcissism and all the selfishy kind of things, and we're just embracing it. We are who we are. We're finally embracing it. I think that's kind of more their deal. I know that they don't actually believe in a literal uh, Satan the way that Christianity has uh, has has uh, portrayed Satan. So right. So Satan, see if he can be vulnerable and open, and yeah. say what troubles he might have with any of his line of thinking. Excellent uh, question. Very excellent. Thank you, Harry. I appreciate Thank that. You. All right. Um, let's go to uh, Michael on line two in Brampton. Hi, Michael. If you were going to ask the high priest of the Church of Satan a question, what would it be? I'd ask him to you and followers, what is love? Great question, buddy. Well done. What is love to you and your followers? Like, what do you guys think? Okay, that's great. I'll, I'll, I'll just say goodbye there because it's really loud in the back of your phone. You must be Sorry, driving. Buddy. Sorry, man. Yeah. No, I do apologize. No, no worries. No worries. Thanks, Michael. Great question. Love that one. Phone, uh, Folks, the phone lines are open. Uh, what is it again? 877-569-1250. 877-569-1250. 877-JOY-1250. Lines are open for you right now. We are about to interview the high priest from the Church of Satan. And if you had, if you were sitting in my chair, what would you ask him? What would you ask the high priest from the Church of Satan? The other number is 905-338-1250. Uh, you can certainly post your comments on our Facebook page as well. Go to uh, the Drew Marshall Show on Facebook. Uh, here's another uh, few questions that someone wrote. Uh, by the way, Nathan Fast uh, chastised uh, people on our Facebook group, just like I did. He said, come on, people, this is a great opportunity to learn something. Don't worry, Drew, I got this. Prepare yourself for questioning. Like Christianity, Islam, etc., are there different denominations of Satanism, or is it more about what each individual brings to the table? Is there a concept of sin or wrongdoing? If so, is there atonement of some sort, and what does it look like? What sort of goals does uh, the Church of Satan have? Uh, for example, to minister your ideas to others, change the world in some way from a uh, specific sort of, oh, sorry, form a specific sort of community, etc. Because the religion is based on being self-centered, how does a concept like self-sacrifice or generosity fit in? Great questions. I don't mean sacrifices in giving offerings to God, but rather a uh, giving oneself to another for more altruistic purposes. If you do not believe in any supernatural beings, forces, elements, why use all the supernatural symbols, especially such provocative symbols? And then he's got so many more questions as well, so fantastic stuff. Got another couple of calls here, and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, uh, reach out to the high priest from the Church of Satan, Mr. Peter Gilmore. Is it Maria on line one in Toronto? Maria... If yes. you were going to ask the uh, Church of Satan high priest a question, what would it be? Yeah, instead of just uh, telling the guy he's going to go to hell, <laughs> yes, for you to ask him what he thinks is going to happen in the after this life. All right, so yeah, what is the what is there an afterlife, and and if so, what do you think uh, goes on? Mm-hmm. That's a great question, Maria. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, let's go to John on line two in Mississauga. John, uh, if you were going to ask the high priest a question, what would it be? Yeah, I would want to know uh, what he thinks about atheists. Man, you guys, where where the heck are you guys on the Facebook page? These are all fantastic yeah, questions. Come on. So, what do you think of atheists? Atheism. Right. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Thanks a lot. What? Okay. Uh, that's uh, enough. We got uh, we got lots of questions because I got a few of my own. So, <laughs> and Tim, you're going to be quiet this segment, okay? Why? Just doodle over the, the way you normally do. What if I have a really do? good thing to ask? I know <laughs> it never happens. It never happens. But with Satan in the room, maybe something no, strange will stop, happen. stop, stop. 
Well, um, okay, here we go. A short break on our show, folks. We'll be right back with the High Priest from the Church of Satan. Stay with us. Running down dogma with his karma. This is the Drew Marshall Show. Well, uh, out of great respect for this next gentleman, I I want to read what is stated on their website uh, to clear up some of the foundational things so we don't need to bore him with, uh, with just, you know, the onslaught of typical questions he might get. In a moment, Magist Peter H. Gilmore. Peter H. Gilmore, he is the high priest of the Church of Satan joining us. Founded on April 30th, 1966 by Anton LaVey, we are the first above-ground organization in history openly dedicated to the acceptance of man's true nature, that of a carnal beast living in a cosmos that is indifferent to our existence. To us, Satan is the symbol that best suits the nature of we who are carnal by birth, people who feel no battles raging between our thoughts and feelings, we who do not embrace the concept of a soul imprisoned in a body. He represents pride, liberty, and individualism, qualities often defined as evil by those who worship external deities, who feel there is a war between their minds and emotions. As Anton LaVey explained in his classic work, The Satanic Bible, man, using his brain, invented all the gods, doing so because many of our species cannot accept or control their personal egos, feeling compelled to conjure up one or a multiplicity of characters who can act without hindrance or guilt upon whims and desires. All gods are thus externalized forms, magnified projections of the true nature of their creators, personifying aspects of the universe or personal temperaments which many of their followers find to be troubling. Worshipping any god is thus worshipping by proxy those who invented that god. Since the Satanist understands that all gods are fiction, Instead of bending a knee in worship to or seeking friendship or unity with such mythical entities, he places himself at the center of his own subjective universe as his own highest value. We Satanists are thus our own gods, and as beneficent deities, we can offer love to those who deserve it and deliver our wrath within reasonable limits upon those who seek to cause us or that which we cherish harm. Peter Gilmore's essay, What the Devil, from the Satanic Scriptures, discusses this in greater detail, and you can find all of this information on the website, churchofsatan.com. I'm actually glad I went through that. Mr. Gilmore. Yes. Hello, Drew. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. It's been a while. We've tried to get you on our show for a bit, but boy, I mean, you know, when you're the high priest of the Church Church of Satan, you you get more media than Donald Trump, probably. (laughs) Well, not quite, but maybe eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, now, I'm not the first uh, uh, guy who has a show on a Christian radio station to interview you. Is that correct? You've had other sort of oh. Jesus people interview you? Sure, many, actually. Can you sort of summarize how Christian media has treated you? Well, I would say that uh, there have been some people who are civilized and who, are, who really do understand that we have a, a different philosophical point of view and want to elucidate that. And, uh, you know, a, a Christian author, Jim Beverly, has actually been... Uh, a very strong exemplar of that approach, but then there have, of course, been others who simply try to, just they have an agenda, like, why don't you believe in Jesus? Why aren't you accepting this? And you're damned, you're going to hell, and of course you don't, you know, you're coming from the devil, so everything you say is a lie, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So it, it, right. it ranges from, from intelligent discourse to uh, sort of huffing and puffing 
So <laughs> let's hope that we're going towards the former today. Yes, I hope so. Well, I posted the question on our Facebook page. If you had a question or if you were sitting in my chair and you had a chance to ask a question of the high priest of the Church of Satan, you know, what, what would that question be? And I got to say, I was very disappointed with the childishness and the immaturity and the downright rudeness from some people. And while others, I was very appreciative. So it's the exact same experience that you've you've uh, experienced. <laughs> well, people don't change, do they? <laughs> no, no, not really. Not really. Not by much, anyway. All right. Well, listen, um, <clears throat> can we get just a bit of your personal journey, uh, Peter? Uh, you know, sort of how you ended up being the high priest of the Church of Satan. Where, where did this start? I mean, you know, were you in... In, in grade school, and you were walking home one day, and somebody handed you a pamphlet that said, hey, join the Church of Satan. That, is that how it happened? No, no. What, what was interesting is my journey, my parents were, were very uh, open about uh, letting me research things that I was interested in. I was a very bright child and read rather early, and was interested in archaeology and mythology and such. I, I read uh, sacred scriptures, and I read books about past civilizations that were no longer there, and it became pretty evident to me that uh, you know, there, since there were so many different forms of God belief, that they were essentially all fictions and, and uh, projections of whatever culture had embraced them. And, I mean, I decided that when I was eight years old. I said, well, then the de- definition for me is an atheist, because I don't believe that any of these are real. They're simply human projections on the universe based on human psychology and, and its needs. So uh, when I was 13, uh, I was down in Manhattan, I was uh, on one of my usual trips to the Museum of Natural History because I was really fascinated with paleontology, and I learned a lot about dinosaurs, and I used to love to go look at the fossils. And I stopped at a bookstore to buy science fiction because that was one of my favorite forms of literature. And uh, when I was waiting to, to go out, I saw this book on the turning rack that was the Satanic Bible, and I thought, well, what's this? Uh, I've read, you know, most of the Holy Bible and some of the Koran and Bhagavad Gita and other texts, and I thought... What kind of alternative is this? And I picked it up and thought, well, this looks a little strange and theatrical, and it was probably kooky, and I, I actually put it back on the rack and then selected more books that I thought would be interesting, you know, Asimov and Harlan Ellison and Arthur C. Clarke and such. I'm sorry, how old, were you, how old were you at this time? Thirteen. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> so uh, so I, I was on my way, you know, waiting to, to pay for the books, and there that was again in front of me. So I thought, that's eh, a cheap paperback. I'll pick it up and see what, you know, what message it has to say. So um, that evening when I got home, I sat down and read the whole thing, and I realized that uh, Satanist was the proper definition for the way I looked at things, not just atheists. It was just that simple. Wow. Wow. Okay, so uh, that begs the question of, according to you, what would be the difference between being an atheist and being a Satanist? Well, see, atheism is just a starting off point. It's simply stating that you don't believe that there is any supernatural being who is the author of everything. It doesn't imply anything else regarding uh, a philosophical approach to man, like what is man, what's his purpose, what does he do? Satanism has a very specific uh, way of addressing those subsequent questions that arise after you come to an atheist perspective. So, uh, you know, Satanism looks at man as just another animal who can often be more dangerous than the regular ones because uh, oftentimes he's being, his nature is being twisted usually by theological pursuits. So, uh, you know, Satanism is something that, that definitely would promote the idea of, well, you, you know, I mean, you read the description. It was, it was actually quite succinct there from my essay on the website as to how we approach being self-centered, being our own gods. It's something I call being an atheist rather than an atheist, because we are our own highest values. 
And we're not thinking that we're gods in the sense of like God or Zeus or anything like that. But uh, the idea is that since we are a primary value, we then are in a position to create our own system of values and, and you know, bring other people into it, cherish other people and other things. Uh, and as I say, we're beneficent deities. We love life. We find it something that's precious because it's the only one we've got. We don't believe in any kind of afterlife. So, well, uh, Satanist is here to enjoy the party of life and make it as pleasant as possible okay. for himself and the, what he cares for. So, what I have said to many people over the years uh, since uh, I think I, I, I've been schooled a little bit on where things are at here is, is this, two things. Number one, Satanists don't believe in Satan. And number two, you could more, uh, if you really want to try to understand what a Satanist is, you could, you could maybe throw out the word hedonism. Uh, am, how wrong am I on the, on both of those? <laughs> well, the, the first one is correct, but the second one is a misperception. Okay. Um, hedonism basically means pursuit of pleasure, but without control. Uh, we are actually Epicureans, and we come. We basically trace that back to the Epicurus, the ancient Greek philosopher, and his approach towards pleasure seeking. Pleasure is the greatest good, but you do it in a rational sense. You know, it's not uncontrolled. It's absolutely controlled. And Anton LaVey stated it as indulgence, not compulsion. That was his simple way of putting it forth. A hedonist is somebody who's compelled. An Epicurean is doing things as an indulgence. So it's rational self-interest, rational pursuit of pleasure. But why, you know, I'm sorry, you know where this question goes. Why would you bother having control if there are no repercussions? Well, there are repercussions, of course. We're social creatures. Uh, We have a social contract, so being completely out of control means that you're going to violate the social contract and come aground of whatever laws and and, uh, regulations that have been agreed upon by the society in general. Yeah, but if you can uh, sort of do what you want, when you want, uh, and you're not really that concerned about other people, again, I'm probably putting words, right? But but that's wrong. We, We are concerned about other people. See, that's, that's the mystery. Right, right, right. Okay. We're some kind of rabid animal running loose. <laughs> you know, we're civilized beings that uh, believe that we can work in concert with others. See, the whole thing is, uh, you know, we believe in law and order. We belong, as I said, in the social contract. And that's a very important principle for Satanists, that uh, the whole idea of being uncontrolled to us is repugnant. That means you're out of balance, that, that you, you really are just a, a rabid creature, and you should probably likely be put down. And I find it's very funny that it's so often that theistic people yeah. ask that question, because to me, it makes it seem that the only reason that they're not misbehaving yep. is they think they're going to be punished by a god. And for many of we who are secularists, we find that we don't need some, some person punishing us with eternal damnation to make us behave. We feel that we are actually rational and civilized yeah. people. That, that are not going to be out of control unless somebody's trying to force us into it. So, it's, yeah. it's, it's more revealing about the theists, that question. I think so. Yeah. I quite think so. <laughs> All right. Um, it makes them feel dangerous, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you look at 2,000 years of Christianity and the amount of murders and, and horrors that it's perpetrated, there's a lot of evidence to say, yes, theists are pretty dangerous people. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, gee, I almost called you Anton. So on that segue, Anton... Um, did you hang out with Mr. LeVay a, a fair bit uh, yourself, or not at all? Or yeah. what was your yeah, relationship? No, absolutely. absolutely. Um, he was. I felt you know my wife and I would go and spend usually a week or two out at the Black House uh, about every you know year. We'd be out there and uh, we'd be in touch, of course, in between. And uh, he seemed to me kind of like like a favorite uncle. Uh, really, a fun person, smart, witty, and a great sense of humor and. 
we'd watch movies, discuss them, we'd talk about philosophy, we'd go to gun shows, we'd go to reptile shows, we'd go out to dinner, we'd go to places of interest uh, out in San Francisco, such as uh, the ruins of the Sutro Baths or the, uh, the Fort Point Armory. Uh, we had a good time with, with him. He was a really, really good fellow. He really felt like part of the family. How was the founder of the, of the uh, Church of Satan, Anton LaVey, how was his death and funeral uh, uh, done, celebrated? I would imagine there would, there would be some ceremonies that took place, uh, but, you know, grieving... Uh, I mean, this. I'm sorry. As I'm as I'm about to say these questions, that I'm going through my own filter and thinking, dude, are you really going to ask that question? You sound like an eight year old. Because I was going to say to you, you know, do you guys grieve any different because of what you believe? Because if you go to a, um, a, a, a Jesus person's funeral, there's grieving, but then there's the we'll see them afterwards and we'll see them again and yay God stuff. What do you guys do? Well, since what we, we believe that death is the end and you're not going to see anybody again, there's no chance for a reunion. Uh, our funerals are based on the idea of remembering all the, the richness that the person who passed brought into your life. Mm. So part of the satanic funeral is uh, the people who are attending it come forward and talk about the impact that the deceased had on them. So for us, you know, we are very sad that they're gone, but we celebrate what they gave to us while they were alive. So, uh, you know, to us, death is a natural part of life. Right. We're not afraid of it. It doesn't terrify us. We know that everybody's going to die at some point. Uh, but, you know, we miss the person that's gone horribly. And I mean, that, that's something that you, you can't get back. They can't be part of the party anymore. They had to leave. But, um, you know, we do recall the greatness that they, they offered us and the impact that they had on us. And uh, we deeply cherished them. Did, was there anything specific or any, any um, interesting memory you take away from Anton LaVey's funeral? Well, see, his, I wasn't at his funeral. It was done very quickly and quietly because of the public attention that was that was swelling around it, and we were kind of afraid that there could have been sort of negative repercussions from people who were hostile towards him. Right. So uh, basically, uh, his uh, uh, companion, Blanche Barton, and his daughter, uh, Carla LeVay, did a very quiet little ceremony with him uh, before he was cremated. And uh, and then we went out to back to San Francisco after that, and basically Blanche and Peggy and I and a couple of other members, uh, we had a, a an intense uh, funerary moment in the ritual chamber there in the Black House to remember him and what he meant for us. So uh, and what I take away from it is that he had this great impact on me that... Uh, you know, I, I'm a sort of person who really, in, in some senses, you could say is a Renaissance kind of guy. I do music, I write fiction, I write philosophy, I draw, I paint, uh, I design things. There's, there's a lot of things that I do in my life, and I've mm. pursued a lot of things professionally uh, to pretty good, you know, professional degrees. But uh, that I ended up being the high priest of the Church of Satan, it uh, <laughs> impacted me so strongly that that brought this major event and direction into my life. And I feel it was uh, an interesting gift that he gave me. Um, how many Satanists are there in uh, in North America or in Canada? I mean, do you have numbers and statistics in, around the world or just in the states? What do you have? Well, we actually don't keep statistics. We could. We could. I mean, we could go through our databases and add things up, but we don't bother with that. And uh, Anton LaVey's original policy was that uh, if we actually give out figures, then if they seem too low to some people, then they'll feel free to discount us as being not worthy of paying any attention to. Or if they seem too high, we'll seem like a threat that needs extermination. Hmm. So I, I think he was wise uh, in that policy, and so we maintain that. 
So I'm actually blissfully unaware of exact numbers. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. That's kind of like when I play baseball. I don't want to know what the score is because I might choke if I think it's close. Uh, um, so let's talk about uh, the denominations or the uh, the uh, the various sects of of uh, I guess those who are Satan worshippers. And again, just that phrase. I mean, if you don't believe in a Satan, do you call yourself a Satan worshipper? That's just kind of uh, weird for we most don't. people. We we don't we don't call ourselves Satan worshippers. We actually consider those who are Satan worshippers, devil worshippers, any kind of anybody who worships anything. As a demonolater and not a Satanist. A Satanist okay. is an atheist. Okay. So we are, those people are not, we do not see them as Satanists. They are not sects. They are not denominations. They are something else. And I'm actually dealing with a lot of scholars these days who are trying to nail that down because they seem to be not sure how to approach it. We have a very specific approach. You know, Satanism was defined by Anton LaVey, and that's our approach. That is Satanism. Nothing else is Satanism to us. Okay. So, um, are there different sects, S-E-C-T-S, within the Church of Satan? No. No, the Church of Satan is one philosophy, one movement worldwide. So who was John Ali that I had on a couple of years ago? He's just a loon who at one point was a member of the Church of Satan and left. And he is some, he's a sad sort of failure of a person who was always looking for attention. He's blended all kinds of kooky occultism and just senseless gibberish together in a bid for people to pay attention to it. How do you, how do you really feel, Peter? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, there's a lot further I could go with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. But, I mean, cause that, you know, he, he illegally accused us of crimes. I mean, I could have had him arrested and thrown away for, for, you know, the rest of his sad, sorry life. But I think, you know, his life is so pathetic that uh, he's his own worst curse. And he will be tortured for until his last breath is drawn. So I need to do nothing. Okay. All right. Um, when it comes to ceremonies and what the Church of Satan does, you know, I know that in in the Mormon tradition there are uh, there is a level of of uh, secrecy. Uh, we don't want people to know this, and we don't want people to know that unless you're actually, you know, have, have reached a certain level and then are able to, to participate in a certain ceremony. Same sort of thing in the Church of Satan. Oh, not at all. All our, all our rituals are basically published out there for the people to read. Uh, Anton LaVey put a book out called The Satanic Rituals, which gave a whole bunch of uh, rites that were based on uh, historical um, interest in the devil figures. And in the Satanic Bible itself, it outlines three basic kinds of rituals that deal with different sorts of human desire. And in my own book, The Satanic Scriptures, I include uh, satanic wedding and funeral rites, so uh, they're out there for people. The only ones that we don't put out there publicly are ordination rituals for, for uh, higher degrees, because those are private experiences for the people who go through them, and we like them to actually be, you know, enjoyed the surprise of the moment, but there's nothing, you know, taboo or forbidden or illegal in them. They're just something that they will experience for the first time when they experience it as a form of, uh, of you know, taking on their new level. You know, we had a caller uh, call in and ask about sort of the, is there an ecumenical side to to uh, to your gang? <laughs> I don't mean to call no, it that. But... Ab- yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> we think that ecumenicism is a foolish concept. Right. So, you know, this is who we are, and we're not, we're not, uh, we're so different that joining hands and singing Kumbaya with the local chapter of X, Y, or Z is just goofy. Yeah, you know, the thing is, what, what we've sort of seen happening uh, on some level at this point is that since the, the sec- world of secularists, a lot of atheists and free thinkers, 
they're finally beginning to understand that, that we are a subset of that larger group. But they're often afraid of us because of our drama and our particular approach to things. So some of them are happy to sort of point to Satanists, you know, because I've been on plenty of atheist talk shows, too, and believe me, they can be even more hostile than the Christians. So, <laughs> Well, hold on, hold on. I don't understand that. Why would an atheist be hostile to, to a Satanist? Well, because they do not like the fact that we have a theatrical aspect, that we use a symbol uh, that is something that many people will see as dark. Uh, what we Satanists define that as being is saying that you need to always feel you're wearing the good guy badge, like you're the sheriff riding into town, that you want everybody to somehow always think that you're good by their standards. Hmm. We Satanists don't care about other people's standards. We feel that we, our standards and our, our philosophy is rational and coherent and it works for us. And if other people find our symbols revolting or, or they can't understand them, we frankly don't care. But atheists, many of them do, and they always want to be seen by Christians as somehow being good guys, even though they don't believe in God, and likely by most people who are theists that they're going to go to hell. Uh, and, but was, that was funny, because you've, of course, recently heard that Pope Francis has uh, tried to say that atheists that do good works might actually end up going to heaven. So those kind of atheists who want good guy badges should like the new Pope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we are on the phone with Peter Gilmore, who is the high priest from the Church of Satan, and uh, thoroughly enjoying our time with him, getting to ask all the questions we can think of. And uh, and again, thank you for your time, Peter. Really appreciate it. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, persecution. I remember having Richard James, who is a uh, leader of the uh, Wiccan Church of Canada. And, you know, he described some times where people would drive by his place and throw eggs at his place and spray paint stuff and, you know, just be stupid. Um, have you encountered any persecution yourself? Well, you know, it's generally been pretty fine for me, although I had, have been in San Francisco a number of times at Anton LaVey's house, and sometimes on Halloween or other holidays, people would drive by and throw things at the house or even shoot at it. Wow. So, uh you know, you know, Anne Holloway really, because he was the figurehead uh, before me, was getting a lot of very negative attention from some people, and, and sadly some Christian churches would almost be advocating that their members go out and they might score points with God by harming or killing Anne Holloway. Uh, for, fortunately, that hasn't happened to me yet, and uh, I do have strong ties with law enforcement on local and national and international levels, so that I actually don't fear for that, because I can call upon mechanisms to defend myself. But, uh, you know, there are some people are hostile, hmm. naturally, because they don't understand, or, or maybe because they do understand and really don't like the philosophy. But I, it generally tends to come from misunderstanding, I think, that humans tend to be naturally xenophobic, and that they really do feel hostility towards something that they consider alien to their own particular hmm. way of doing things. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think I'm a generally a friendly and equitable person, and, uh, you know, whenever I meet folks, I can generally keep them happy and laughing uh, and intrigued. Uh, you know, I'm interested in a lot of different subjects that we can discuss. So, so for me, I haven't really had much hostility, but the circles I move in are often creative, intelligent people who, uh, even, if they are, have, even if they have different ways of looking at the world, are, enjoy interacting with me. So. Okay, so as much as I struggle with my faith, and actually we'll talk about that in a second, about you know, whether you struggle with, with whatever it is that you believe and proving what you believe, et cetera, et cetera, uh, but as much as I struggle with my faith, if uh, I, I think one of the reasons I continue to hang on to uh, the red letters that Jesus apparently spoke is because I, I have a hard time loving people that are hard to love. 
And when somebody does wrong by me, and especially if someone does wrong by my family, you know, dude, I, you know, I'm, I'm a male. I got some stuff inside of me that wants to come out and smack that person or whatever. Um, and so I, you know, I try to hunker down into the trying to forgive others, turn the other cheek kind of stuff. Now I'm telling you it's hard for me, but I, I'm also telling you I, I, I buy into that. If someone harmed your family, someone you love, because let's not, I don't want to just simplify it by saying if someone harmed you, whatever, because we know it's worser, and yes, that's a real word, if someone goes and harms someone you love, what does, um, what does being part of the Church of Satan, how does that um, educate your response or reaction to, to when someone uh, goes to harm someone you love? Well, we completely embrace the idea of vengeance based on whatever is available and with accepting the consequences of your actions. You know, if somebody murdered my wife, I would I would likely destroy them in whatever way and be willing to take the consequences. You know, go to court, uh, be judged by people that I would hope would be my peers. Uh, so yours you know, would yours would be the opposite. You're, instead of yours, would be an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. Absolutely and utterly. The old biblical concept uh, and from the Hammurabi Code is something that we completely agree with. See, what we, we feel, Satanists do something that we call lex talionis. That's from Roman law. What it means is the punishment should fit in kind and degree the crime. So we don't believe in forgiveness or in mercy. Uh, we believe in justice, and we think that, that that kind of forgiveness and mercy undercuts justice. And it's therefore really a, 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 just an anti uh, balance of society concept that uh, it's it's basically like a spaniel philosophy where if somebody kicks you you roll over it's like right. you've got you know because you, you can't forgive Hitler and you can't forgive Pol Pot nor should you forgive the terrorists who blew up uh, the you know the Boston Marathon yeah you know, th- these people don't deserve forgiveness at all they deserve to answer for their crimes so and statism speaks speaks to that so what if somebody within your tribe the Church of Satan um, decided to be a jerk and and was not nice to people and then decided to leave and said it's all garbage, et cetera, et cetera. What would a typical response be to that person? Like, don't let the door hit you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Now, what about the Christians who continuously speak out against you and and uh, and uh, denounce you and and uh, pray against you and and even uh, you know picket or I don't know whatever? Um, if I understand your code right, would you not then do the same back to them? Well, you know, the whole point is we, it all depends on what your values are. The thing is, if we actually thought that those Christians had any merit at all. We might need to respond, but since we think that their ideas and they themselves are worthless, we don't care. Right. So just to clarify this, I mean, this is the, the most simplest of questions. Why, why do you call it the Satanic Church or the Church of Satan if you don't believe in Satan? And the answer to that is? Is that Satan in Hebrew means adversary, opposer, accuser, one who questions. And we feel that we are the adversaries, opposers, and questioners of all theistic religions that simple. I love, I'm sorry, I love the simplicity of that, so thank you. So, um, what is, and I don't, someone else called in with this question, and I thought it was a good one, but I haven't thought it through enough to ask it in a way that I think is going to sound intelligent. So let me just ask you this. Um, what, uh, do you have a different, do Satanists have a different view or definition of love? Uh, we believe that love is something that people win from you. 
uh, you admire somebody, you know, a love and passion comes from finding something in, in another person, or it can be objects, you know, you could love a piece of music, but uh, love comes from something that you value highly, something that, that resonates from all these different aspects of, of elements that you value, that you created in your own personal value system. So, I mean, that's sort of a clinical way of looking at it, but, you know, it's something that's passionate, and it's also something that's rare. Uh, we think that in Satanism, we accept the whole range of human emotions from love through hatred, but we look at hate and love as opposite ends of the spectrum, equally passionate and equally rare. There are probably going to be very few people who would do things to you that would really arouse true passionate hatred. Likewise, there will probably be very few people who enter your life that will arouse in you true passionate love. There's, you're generally somewhere else in the spectrum, but we find all of that to be a natural human response. Where so many theistic religions say, well, you can't hate at all, and you've got to love everybody. We just think that's kind of unnatural nonsense. Okay, if someone, much like, a, you know, if you're a Scientologist and you decide to get out of Scientology, uh, you're not going to be, you're not going to have many friends left within Scientology, because they say, there's a disassociation thing that goes down. It's the same with the J-dubs and the Scientologists, and to be honest, a lot of fundamentalist Bible Belt Southern yeehaws. Um, so when it comes to uh, people leaving the group, is there a certain aspect of disassociation? There's nothing formal. Uh, it all depends on why you're dealing with... See, see, social interaction is not enforced. It's not something we require in the Church of Satan. People often join the Church of Satan, and uh, simply from you know, paying the membership fee and getting their red card, they have no contact at all with the, with the Church of Satan and its other members. They simply join because they support the principles of the philosophy, and that's it. Uh, if you're somebody who's very socially involved with other members of the Church of Satan, your departure, depending on why you left, might be reasons for either continued interaction or ending of interaction. So it would be on a completely case-by-case basis and, and really be between the person and the people that they were dealing with in the organization. But uh, there's no, no formal shunning or sh- shutting out or anything like right. that. Right. Uh, you know, if, if somebody leaves the Church of Satan and decides to dump all over the Church of Satan and the people that they knew, then, of course, they're, people are going to say, well, I'm not going to deal with this idiot anymore. And so <laughs> that'll end. Right. Uh, but, you know, if somebody says, oh, I've changed my mind, I'm going in a different direction, but we, you know, the people that he met, if they still have other interests in common, they certainly can continue to have those still. Okay, um, uh, again, on the phone with Peter Gilmore, who's the high priest in the Church of Satan. Peter, um, in your ceremonies, which uh, the vast majority are public knowledge, um, there is there not invoking of spirits? Well, we, since we don't believe in spirits, uh, let me explain what we do in our ritual. Yeah. We, we use ritual as a form of self-transformational psychodrama, meaning that they're cathartic processes for releasing emotions that might be hindering our daily life. So if you go into ritual, and you're in your ritual chamber, it's a complete fantasy. You call upon Satan, and you, know, you shout, and you scream. Uh, you know, it, it could be, that's, if it's a destruction ritual, you know, somebody's done something bad to you. You can you know, shout at, that you want them destroyed and ruined. Uh, if, if somebody that you love is in, is in pain or, or agony somewhere, or somebody or something needs your help, you can you know, pour forth your compassion, you could cry. Uh, you know, if you if you have unrequited lust, you can fantasize, you know, have sexual fantasies about, uh, you know, whoever it is or that you would want to pursue. Right. Uh, but the whole point is, is, is that if there's a particular emotion that, that is hindering what you're generally doing, you go into a ritual chamber and exorcise it. 
you you make it a cathartic experience. It, it's gone. But then once you're outside the ritual chamber, if there's a particular goal that you're trying to seek, like if you actually want to win somebody's affection, or if uh, you know somebody's done something horrible to you and you need to pursue them, like going taking them to court or something, you still go do that. It's not like a prayer or a spell where you expect that there's going to be some specific end because you went into the ritual chamber. Right. The ritual chamber experience is, is simply meant as a cathartic experience, and then you, in the real world, you pursue intelligently and diligently whatever you need to. You know, your sick friend, get him to the best doctor. Yeah. <laughs> You may have cried for it because it hit you so hard, but then you do everything you can to help them heal. When when I was in Glastonbury last year visiting with a couple of prominent witches, you know, the question comes up of what, what casting spells. What and a lot of people would say, look, it's it's as simple as what the Christians might do, which would be like a prayer. You are praying for, or you are praying against, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do you <laughs> do do Satanists cast spells? No, we don't. Do now you just said you call upon Satan. Um, that makes it sound like you're call- like you believe in a in a third party called Satan that you're calling upon. So, what does calling upon Satan mean? Well, as I said, once you're in the confines of the ritual chamber, yeah. it's controlled theater. It's like when when you put on a play and you're playing the role of say Hamlet. Do you believe you're Hamlet? You know, it's uh, it's the same thing. Okay, it's a form of of self of self uh, cathartic theater. So it's like WWE. Sure. Oh, that's wonderfully ritualistic. <laughs> Man. Um, you know, it, there seems to be sort of this um, ceremonial, altruistic, um, you know, even just the calling up. I, I'm getting my words mixed up here. What I'm trying. Okay. Here's the confusion in my brain, Peter. Y- you know, you. It, it, you sound right brain, but then you sound left brain. You sound sort of scientific and and matter of fact and cut and dried, and there is no God, there is no spirit, you know, it's just bada-bing, bada-boom. But then there's the other side to you, which sounds uh, like you're, you're uh, enthralled in the other, in in the other in the other realm, so to speak, or in, in you know, it sounds like, it, how am I saying this? It sounds like things are very spiritual. But yet you don't believe in anything spiritual. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, I, I can see your question. See, the thing is, when when it, you uh, somebody comes from a background like yours where you actually do believe in something spiritual, it's very hard for you to to take on our position, which is utterly carnal. We don't believe in anything spiritual yeah. or supernatural. And for us, again, it, to, to us, it's it's no problem to go into a, you know a ritual chamber. You can go into a ritual chamber and call on Godzilla if you wanted to, or Zeus or the Easter Bunny, uh, whatever emotionally suited you at the time to release the feelings that you want to release that are hindering you. For us, the idea of that kind of, of um, again, it's a psychodrama. It's an old psychological approach towards uh, releasing emotions that isn't so common these days, but it's something that we think can be very effective. Uh, but also the other thing, too, to realize is that Satanists don't all do ritual. Uh, many Satanists don't. We consider it a tool that you can use to help yourself, hmm. but it's a tool that you don't have to take out of the toolbox. Uh, many Satanists don't ritualize at all, or their form of ritual might be uh, writing a short story about something, you know, to exercise their emotions, or doing a painting, or uh, playing a piece of music, say, you know, you play a particular Chopin prelude that, that embodies the emotions that you want if you're a skilled pianist, right. and release that. That could be considered a ritual in our sense, uh, that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, the whole idea of you have to go in and light candles and ring bells, and Hullivay created that because uh, essentially... It was something out of a tradition that he felt they could be used positively. Uh, 
to go to a real basic fundamental concept, human beings are creatures of conceptual consciousness, meaning that we observe the world, what comes in through our, our various sense organs, we organize those percepts into concepts, and we create an ever-increasingly complex uh, hierarchy of concepts. Now, in the human mind, symbols are ways of holding many concepts in focus at one time, rather than having to go through them in a linear, linear or temporal way. So you look at a flag. What does a flag bring to mind? All these things about patriotism and nationalism and history. Like, that's a symbol. It, it allows you to hold all these concepts in your mind at once. So Satan is, is a similar symbol, but there are other symbols you could use. You know, if you are interested in culture and history, you can look at what other cultures have used and employ them if they have significance to you. But uh, they're touchstones. They're ways of, of again, uh, dealing with your emotions. Bring it because, as you know, flags are an issue for people. Some sure. people are afraid of burning flags, even though it's just a piece of cloth. Uh, but uh, symbols are so important to our species. Therefore, Anton LaVey felt that the idea of symbolism and ritual is intrinsic to the human animal, and therefore that should be included in the philosophy he's creating. Okay, the last thing I want to do... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Just before the last thing... <laughs> I've got so many things. Just before the last thing I want to do, I want to ask you, um, do you want us to be scared of you? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay. No, because, you know, that's the impression that you guys, you know, kind of give off, I guess, for some people is that, you know, we're scary and stay away from us. And and to be honest, I could see why you would do that, because the kind of people that would see you as scary are the ignorant Bible Belt types, and you want them to stay away from you. Well, see, we consider the, the, what looks scary to be an idiot filter. Exactly. Uh, sorry, so sorry. Say that again. Something, something changed on your phone. Your voice got muffled. Say that again. Um, I, I said you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. We consider the scary idiot filter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There will be no book Satanism for dummies because we're not interested in dummies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me just real quickly. There's a guy who wrote on our Facebook page some actually decent questions, and there are so many of them. And I want to just have a little a little fun with this, if you don't mind, Peter. Just before we say goodbye, I'm going to read you these yeah. questions, and if you can give me the shortest answers possible. And if you can't give a short answer, just say, uh, go to the website, okay? So if you can't give a short answer, say, go to the website. You ready? Okay. Okay, here we go. Um, is, there a concept, is there a concept of sin or wrongdoing? No. In right. Well, no. In Satanism, we have satanic sins, but they're behaviors that we disencourage from ourselves, like stupidity and pomposity and counterproductive pride, things along those aspects. So they're not something that somebody supernatural forbids. They're behaviors that we think are stupid or inappropriate and wasteful. Okay. Uh, what sort of goals does the Church of Satan have? Uh, very simple, to communicate the philosophy created by Anton LaVey on a worldwide audience. Okay. Um, for, they say, for example, to minister your ideas to others, change the world in some way, form a specific uh, sort of community, because the religion is based on a on, on being self-centered. How does a concept like self-sacrifice or generosity fit in? Good question. What do you what do you say to that? Well, self-sacrifice and generosity are completely the choice of the individual. Since the Satanist can create his own system of values, if he values self-sacrifice or generosity, it's certainly up to the Satanists to do that. Right. You know, Satanists give to charities, we have Satanists who are firemen, you know, people who work in police forces, who are in the military, who may sacrifice their lives 
because they have other values that they think are higher than their own lives. So it's it's completely acceptable. Okay. All right. There's so many questions, and I, I just I'm not going to go through them, but just I I kind of teased it out a little bit there, but. Uh, Nathan Fast, thank you for your questions on Facebook, and uh, I would highly recommend that you go to uh, the website because they have laid out, they have painstakingly laid out a lot of the information you're looking for. Churchofsatan.com, churchofsatan.com. Um, I don't think, if there is a God, then this God is probably big enough to not be scared about you going to that website. How's that? <laughs> One should hope. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, uh, Peter, what a, what a uh, pleasure to speak with you, and I, I look forward to meeting you uh, face-to-face one of these days. I'd love to see that house that, uh, that you're uh, working on there. It sounds like a real gem. Uh, thank so, you, You'd always be welcome here. Well, thank you. I appreciate it very much. Again, Peter Gilmore, High Priest from the Church of Satan on the Drew Marshall Show. Again, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Drew. Have a wonderful day. You too, sir. Bye-bye. All right, there you go, folks. Uh, Yeah, some of you were not happy that we did that. Others of you sent me lovely emails saying thank you for for, uh, doing these sorts of things, and uh, we're praying for you. So thank you for praying for me. I appreciate that. A short break. When we come back, uh, we're going from uh, the high priest from the Church of Satan to the high priest of Christian rock. Does that work? Great segue. Yeah, you, you're the king of segues today. Shut the dough. Keep out the devil. Mr. Randy Stonehill up next on the Drew Marshall Show. Stay with us.